Podcast. I'm Ben Cunnington, and today we're diving deep into the intersection of faith and business. Get ready for a mind-bending journey as we kick off a two-part series on making brilliant business decisions and money by hearing God's voice. We have some really great special guests. You're going to love them, but this isn't your typical business advice. We're tapping into the divine to guide our entrepreneurial endeavors. So get ready to have your beliefs challenged and your perspective shifted as we explore what it means to listen to God in the boardroom. This episode may leave you scratching your head in disbelief or perhaps spark a divine curiosity. We're continuing our series around the topic of created to hear God. And while you're at it, don't forget to grab Havila's book, Created to Hear God. You can grab it at createdtoheargod.com or wherever books are sold. And so get ready, lean in, put your headphones in, get ready to be inspired because today's episode, you're going to love it. All right, let's dive in. Hey, it's Havala. Welcome back to Havala's podcast. Today, we're diving deep into the incredible topic of hearing God's voice and our series, Created to Hear God. Yep, we're in our second month and I'm excited that you're here because we are going to hit it from a completely different angle. You know, we went through the knower, seer, feeler here. We answered some of your top questions in our last podcast. And on this episode, we're going to jump into hearing God's voice in business, hearing God's voice with ideas, branding, marketing, and the unique way in which God deposits these ideas that can create, well, wealth, it can create influence, and there's just so much here. I don't want to get into too much. So today, I've invited my friends Daniel and Ellis Madry to the podcast. So you may not know who they are, but I want you to just hear this. They are brilliant entrepreneurs. Yes, they have a curriculum company, a gaming company. We said they dabble in real estate, which you'll, when you hear them, you'll understand why I said it that way, because they have a great sense of humor. And they also took on a new big project of being directors of a nonprofit called Moral Revolution. Now that might sound familiar to you because many years ago, I took on, Ben and I took on that same job role to be nonprofit directors of Moral Revolution. And then we had our friends, Cole and Kate, they did it for a season. And now Daniel and Ellis have come in to lead the nonprofit More Revolution as well. But they didn't come in as newbies. They actually have been quite successful in other areas, which we're gonna talk about. But it was amazing because we actually started this conversation at a basketball game. We started this conversation at a basketball game talking about their lives, their journey. And I loved it because Daniel was like, Havala, if I told you how God interacted in my life, you would you probably would not be okay with it. And I said, no, 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 like, I want to hear it. Not only am I from Bethel, but I do believe God interacts. And we began to have this conversation, and I was like, you guys have to be on this podcast because, to me, I kept feeling hope. As I was talking to them about how God was interacting in their lives, I kept feeling hope. So I want to welcome my friends and new to the podcast. Thank you for being here, Daniel and Ellis, thank you for being here. Havila, thanks so much for having us. We're uh, glad to be here. Yeah, really honored that you'd have us. I know. And now listen, you guys are first newlyweds, right? 
We are newlyweds. We have been married right over two years. <laughs> we just celebrated our two-year anniversary uh, maybe two weeks ago. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So two years. Did you guys know? How soon did you know that you were going to marry each other? Oh, that's a very complicated question because <laughs> we've technically known each other a long time. How long did we know we were going to marry each other? Uh you know, whenever we started dating, probably, but I think there had always been a, um, there had always been kind of an interest there of, well, not always, but there was kind of an interest there for, uh, for so some time. So she hit on you for years and Basically. you finally went, that's it. That's yeah. it. That's exactly how it happened. Chill out, girl. <laughs> Fine. I'll marry you. <laughs> I love it. So two years and you guys are new to Reading where we live right now, but I, like I said, you being here is new, but you guys have had quite a couple of years. Yeah, it's been a really busy few years for us, but yeah. we're having a ton of fun. Yeah, so let's start out basic with like, you're an entrepreneur. And did you start out together in that season or how did you start as entrepreneurs? And, and I, I say that because you run multiple companies, you've lived multiple places and you're quite successful at it. And it's, I know that sounds like everyone's successful online, but genuinely through the voice of God, it's been pretty profound. So how'd you start out? Yeah, well, I would say both of us have a background in ministry and that was like our heart. Like I would say, if you asked us each at 20, like, what are you going to do with your lives? Like, Mm -hmm. we're like, oh, we're going to be like, you know, like youth pastors or, you know, we're going to do mission stuff or, you know, somewhere in that vein. But, you know, the entrepreneurial journey started kind of in the midst of the ministry journey where it's like, um, you know, you're, you're picking up these skills and you're, you're navigating life and you're getting older. And so it, for me, it was birthed out of this need of, Hey, I love what I'm doing in ministry. I actually need to make some more money if I'm, if I'm going to build a future for my family. And so it was kind of birthed out of a need and then, you know, partnering with God from there. Yeah, that is amazing. So you, you, you were at that point doing ministry and you as well were doing ministry I was, yeah. So uh, he was in uh, Austin, Texas, or Louisiana at the time. I was living in Colorado Springs, working for a ministry there called Messenger International. And uh, and so, yeah, the first part of our entrepreneurial journey really starts with Daniel. He started the companies before we got married, and then I kind of, you know, joined uh, joined a little later on in that journey. <laughs> she kind of came in and synergetically took us to the next level. Oh, oh, all right, that's good. That is, and I I can see that even me, like as we've talked about it, I'm like, oh, you were. You are very smart and clear on that as well. So you started this journey to make more money, which I am, it's funny in ministry, sometimes that can be like a taboo topic, Mm -hmm. but I am so passionate about it because I, like you, was on staff. We made, you know, we didn't make a lot. We had all these kids and I just felt like we've got to find ways to bring in revenue other than hoping other people will fund what's in our hearts. Right. And so I was passionate about that. Did you... When you started out, did you know what you were going to do or did it just kind of come to you? It was like, I'll tell you, the the first time was the most interesting. I say the first time, the first time I got into, you know, an entrepreneurial venture, it was, it was so interesting because I didn't think I could do it. I thought it was literally for everyone else or like, you know, like, I think your dad has to own a business before you can have one or something like that. I thought there was a prerequisite, but I remember just having this conversation with God and I said, God, I know the season that you've called me into. I feel like I'm, you know, I'm doing your will. I'm doing the right thing. But at this point, I'm really not going to be able to make it. I said, you know, I felt like I had permission from the Lord to, to dream. And I said, okay, well, you know, if I was going to do something, 
what am I good at? Like, what is in my hands? What are the skills that I have that I could offer people? And I thought, you know what? I, I think I was a pretty good youth pastor. I remember whenever I was a youth pastor, I would, you know, other youth pastors would like reach out to me and they'd be like, hey, could we have a conversation? And so I was always kind of in that, you know, leading others in that sense. Like, and even even on a more, you know, local church level, I wanted to invest in leaders. You know, I loved my students, but I really loved my leaders. And so I said, okay, I think maybe I could do something to help youth pastors. So for that first year, I literally was like, hey, you're a youth pastor. Is there anything you need help with? <laughs> and and it, they were like, no, this is weird. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so I've got to let you know, like upfront and honest, it did not start off as like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. I have a million dollar idea. This is a, you know, and I'm just going to be breaking barriers and, you know, making deposits. Uh, but it was a journey of saying like, I'm going to do exactly what I know I can do. I'm going to put myself out there and offer things. And part of the, uh, you know, part of the, maybe one of the mantras that I told myself is, do for free what you wish someone would pay you to do. And maybe if you do it for free long enough, you can make money at it. And so after about 10 months of just, I mean, I'm, I'm publishing blogs on my little website. I'm like reaching out to people. I like made a course that no one's ever seen. Uh, no one purchased it. Not one person purchased <laughs> my course. I mean, I'm, I'm all but giving it away. And they're like, this is nice. This is nice. Um, but I felt like I was really producing excellent work that no one wanted in the beginning. Um, and I finally got to a place to where it's like, God, I've literally done everything I know how to do. And I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to quit unless I have some breakthrough. And so I, I was having my quiet time. I was having that honest conversation with God. And in that conversation, I just felt like, Hey, you should reach out to this guy. And, and we had had some ministry connections. He was in Oklahoma and, and connected to another, you know, church and movement out there. And so I was like, okay, I was like, well, I guess, you know, what could it hurt? We haven't spoken in a few years, but I reached out to him and he was electric. He was like, bro, I've been seeing everything that you're doing online. Like you're crushing it. Like you're really, that's so cool. How about this? Our conference is coming up in a month. We want to we wanna fly you out to conference. We'll put you in a hotel. And I would love it if you would just consult for us. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I would, would love to. That sounds great. And so, you know, I go out there and I am terrified because I'm like, I don't belong here. Like no one's paid me for anything yet, let alone paid for me to stay to help them. Although let me say this on the inside, I felt like I had value to offer. I just didn't feel like anyone thought I had value to offer. And so there was some insecurity there. So I, I get up there and I like give them like my, my name to get my credentials. And I'm like, you know, Daniel Madry. And they're like, Oh, like, <clears throat> we don't see your name anywhere, all this stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm a fraud. I made all of this up. Like I, this is terrible. It's the most embarrassing thing ever. And then of course, you know, the guy, the guy at conference director sorts it all out. They give me my credentials. They give me a hotel room and I'm in that hotel room the night of, you know, my, my first consulting and I'm about to go out there. And I remember I got out a note card and I, 
I I got, you know, a pencil, the little, you know, I'm sure it had um, the uh, little hotel letterhead at the top. <laughs> and I got out the co-branded pen and I said, I belong in every room. And I tore that off and I stuck it in my pocket and I went to the conference. I took great notes. Afterwards, there was a leader's dinner. I sat at the furthest table you could get from the action. The president of the movement came and sat at my table. The keynote speaker for that night came and sat at my table and everyone who you would want to be with ended up finding me. And I I think part of it was it was God's hand. Like I was, yeah. I was, you know, I can't do this. I'm not trying to put myself somewhere I don't belong. And God was like, I see you and I see your faithfulness. And that meeting right there ended up being the birthplace of the curriculum company that we would launch two months later. That's where it all began. Yeah. So, that- so you, uh, I mean, I, I'm so struck with that. You write, I belong in every room. Like it makes me emotional thinking about that and popping it in your in your pocket, getting there, still probably feeling a little awkward in this space. Like what right. am I doing here? Get, sit far away. God starts to bring you these different individuals that are influencers, favor, really. Right. And so you have this blog, you are offering consulting and that and they brought you in to consult. Right. And they're consulting youth pastors at that point? Well, I mean, they were like, hey, we want to take our conference to the next level. And we we kind of knew from previous interactions that you have some organizational strengths. And so why don't you just come be a part of it? And and then we'll we'll debrief for about the next three days. So you can stay the whole week. We'll debrief. You can lead us in conversation. We'll do all this stuff. And it was in those conversations that I was looking at what they were doing. I was looking at what I was doing. And I saw, I was like, wait a second. I think, I think I'm filling a need that they don't have. And they certainly have something that I don't have. And that was credibility. They were a you know, 30 year plus organization in the youth ministry space. And so right there, you know, with the, with the, you know, the president in the room, I wrote all of these things down on the whiteboard, what they were doing, the strengths they had, what I was doing, the strengths I had, of course, after I'd kind of given some recommendations and things that they could do next year that, you know, I would recommend, but of course it was up to them. Um, at the end of that, I said, right now, I was like, we're perfectly complimentary. I was like, eventually we would be competitors. And I think we would be better if we worked together. And the president slaps his hand down on the table and he's like, I love this. I think we should take what we're doing with curriculum and put it under your name. And so <laughs> essentially they gave me the keys. They literally gave me the back end to their website and they said, you know, could you rebuild a lightweight version of this? Now, the the longer reality of that is they they ended up um they ended up not feeling comfortable with it. Sure. With going right. through with it. But what they had given me is the key that I needed to move forward. And it's honestly to our benefit because not two years later, the organization did crumble. But I feel like the Lord gave me the inheritance of like, hey, continue on with this part of it because this this needs to last the lifetime. Yeah. And the courage, like when someone sees you and even you don't get the access, the fact that they would say, we want to give you the key. We think it's almost like they... They elevated you to a place where you could see yourself sitting at a table with them. And that's right. critical. Right. So you go in to start this website and it's for curriculum. Right. At this point, right? Mm-hmm. 
and you are publishing a blog. How are you trying to get this content out to people? Well, this is the great thing. So I had zero dollars for marketing. I mean, I am, I am. Hey, you're a church guy. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. Well, and I didn't have a church job. I was actually, I was traveling with an evangelist at the time, which I felt like that is what I'm supposed to be doing, which is why I said, well, I need a side hustle or something because traveling with an evangelist does not pay the bills at all. I was raised by an evangelist and my dad always said we were at the bottom of the food chain. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so uh, I was, once again, I was praying one day and I said, God, we've launched the website. We've got, you know, 25 emails in our MailChimp. We have, you know, four subscribers at $25 a month. Can I get an amen, amen. in the back? Right. And, uh, right yeah. Yeah. and so by the way, the first time someone paid me, I thought I just stole from this person. <laughs> like this is fraud. Like, <laughs> um, so anyways, I, I said, God, how can I get the word out there? And I kept having this reoccurring thought and it was, why don't you make memes? And I was like, I can't make memes. Like, you know, every part of this journey feels like something that was just beyond the realm of what I thought I could do. And so I was like, I don't know. I can't make memes. I, after months, I tried my hand at like one and I was like, that got like a hundred likes. That's, that was huge for me, were you know. Were people making memes at this point? Yeah, there were. There it were was a consistent. Yeah, thing. there were some memes out there, but you know, it was probably six years ago. So the landscape yeah, has certainly it changed. Yeah, it's been different back then. Yeah, that have been more. That would have been more like cutting edge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> making, yes. Well, and I thought this: if someone, you know, so we're a, a youth pastor company. Youth Pastor Co is our company's name. I was like, if people are looking for leadership, they're probably not going to come to me. They don't know me. If people are looking for strategy, they're probably going to go somewhere else. I was like, but maybe I could bring them something that is a value and that could be humor. Like I understand their humor. So at least that's how I understood the assignment. And so probably the third or fourth meme I made went absolutely viral. I mean, millions of views before we had reels. Now, now millions of views are a little more, still hard, but a little more attainable this with the reels. Facebook. Yeah. No, there was a replace. There, it wasn't this where you're swiping right. and things are just getting played. You'd have to click and, you, and, and, share. and shares. We had like over a hundred thousand shares and all this stuff. And all of a sudden our Instagram page gained 10,000 followers in a matter of, you know, a few weeks. And all of it was free marketing because I was kind of just leveraging like, what did I have in my hands meets? What do I feel like God's telling me to do next? That's insane. 10,000 people join you. And I remember, I mean, that was the season I was on Facebook and it was a place where things were made. They were right. developed. It was, it's miraculous. So then you go into, okay, I've got this, this, um, curriculum that I'm creating. Right. And I don't know where the story comes in where we talked about, but I know there was a point when God spoke to you about this. Yes. So what had happened is at the end of that first year, like I got to, you know, 12 months in December of that year, I'm like barely making it. Like I'm like making it plus a little bit of credit card debt. <laughs> and so I was, I was sitting in, I was sitting in, I, I call it my thinking chair. And in fact, whenever, uh, whenever I sold this chair on Facebook, my only description for it was I had a really good idea in this chair that made me money. 
and they were and someone was like yo i'll take that chair but that was like that was my selling point like i had a good idea in this chair (laughs) and maybe you will too and so um i love that that is so funny (laughs) yeah i was like yeah i don't know if the leather is real my i had a child conceived in this bed like i'm in i'm in like that is like so wow you want this mattress you want this amazing (laughs) yeah like my kid is great right i'm i this i'm wealthy because of this piece of furniture (laughs) i was like i'm in i love it yeah that was true that was my selling point (laughs) it's the only thing i said about it and it was gone in a day um but i was sitting in this chair and because i'd gone into the meme world I was kind of surfing some other, you know, creators in the space. And there was this one guy who really kind of rubbed me the wrong way because he would kind of throw rocks at people that I really valued. And I don't, I don't really get defensive or protective over a ton of things. Like I'm like, kind of like, you know, water on a duck's back, like doesn't matter. But they started throwing rocks at some spiritual leaders that were like, that's a man of God. And you're literally playing with fire in my opinion. So it's the only like negative comment I've ever left on someone's page ever. Like, I don't even think I've left a bad review on Amazon. You know what I mean? I'm just like, no, they could do better next time, but five stars. Um, And so I went to this guy's page and I clicked on his link in bio and he was sold out of this jewel case of cards and they were terribly designed. They were like icebreakers. And I remember just thinking like, I could do something with cards. I, you know, I don't, I could do way better than that. You know, I'm just like, I better hearts. Clearly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was just like, to be honest, I was like hyping myself up. Like, I can't believe he's sold out of these $20 cards. That's so stupid. <laughs> this looks terrible. Yeah. I'm just being cynical because I'm trying to protect my spiritual leaders. Um, and then all of a sudden this idea hits my mind so hard that it, I mean, it stopped me in my tracks. And the idea was essentially, what if there was a Christian version of like Cards Against Humanity? Mm -hmm. And I sat there in that moment and I was like, oh my gosh, I think I just heard the voice of God on that. That, it literally felt so divine and weighty. It hit my mind with some like oomph. But I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I have no idea how to create a game. I have no idea how to do manufacturing, distribution, anything like that. And I said, what am I going to do with this? And I sat there and rationalized it. And I said, if I do this and it fails, I'll know that I didn't hear God. If I don't do this, I'll never know. But if I do this and it's successful, I will know that I heard the voice of God. Wow. And so. And you, wait, at that moment, this is your thought process. You literally are thinking. Yes. No, I rationalized that in that very moment because I knew that that thought was so profound. Yeah. So That it was not me. I was like, that was God. But that is so scary because I have no idea. Right. Because there's still risk. Yeah. There's still risk. So, you know, long story short. Although he got his wits about him because <laughs> a couple weeks later it was Christmas and we both were from the same hometown. Yeah. And he was like, hey, you want to go to coffee? And I was like, yeah, sure. And we get we meet up for coffee and he said, Ellis, I had a million dollar idea. <laughs> he did? I did. I literally. And you were, you were married at this point. Oh, you're we, friends. We weren't even dating. We were just friends. And he had this. He said it. I had a million dollar. He said, I have a million dollar idea. I think it was from God. And he laid out what the idea was. And I said, you're right. That's, you do it. That, that, is, that is a million dollar idea. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and then he put a ring on it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but that isn't, you had that sense. Right. I now, really did. Now, when you had the idea, because this is what I think of like as a, any entrepreneur in my own life, like, okay, I've got this idea. Did you go into research at that point? Oh, I went into heavy, heavy research. I immediately bought Cards Against Humanity. Sure. I said, how many cars are there? What are they made out of? Who's their manufacturer? And then I started to kind of reverse engineer the cadence of the cards. So like, okay, I'm looking at, you know, a hundred of these prompts. Um, how are they grammatically formatted? Like what's wow. the, how is this? What kind of, what kind of responses do we have besides absolutely terrible responses? <laughs> They're right. very bad. Right. Um, I was like, are they, are they one word? Are they two word? Are they, are they nouns? Are they, you know, how, how is this constructed. And so I did all of this research and due diligence. And then kind of my first step was I need to reach out to them and make sure that I'm not going to get sued. And so I reach out to legal at Cards Against Humanity. And I was like, hey, guys, um, I had an idea for a game. Uh, it's played similarly to Cards Against Humanity, but it's more family friendly. That was the word that I used. Uh -huh. And I was like, I was just wondering, like, you know, I obviously want to honor what you guys built and not get any in any legal trouble. I was like, could you let me know my parameters? And they got back to me and they were so kind about it. Yeah, they were very nice about it. They were like, hey, typically when someone wants to, you know, make just you, you've been served. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, could you give us your mailing address? We're just going to send them. Knock, knock, knock. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> exactly. Hey, we have an email here. That... <laughs> That's right. Um, could we search your closet? <laughs> Wait, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. And so anyways, I am. Um, and so they responded. They're like, yeah, typically if someone wants to, you know, make their riff off of our games, you need to look out for X, Y, and Z. You can't use this. You can't do that. You can't make it this color. You can't have that. And so I was like, okay, thanks. That was really helpful. And then now let me fast forward this real quick about probably nine months into the future, getting near the holiday season of the following year, Cards Against Humanity releases Cards Against Humanity Family Edition. So at that time, I was, wow. I was really big into buying domains because it was in the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey. Yes. I mean, and, I, I don't know any entrepreneur that doesn't go and buy a couple domains. Right, I have, yeah, I have like seven of them. Yeah, yeah it was just like, this is going to be something, We're right? constantly on the hunt for domains. Yeah, domains, I mean, we buy a new domain once a month. It's $15. Like like if, I might, it's the deal, right? If all of our businesses fail, we'll, we'll just make money off the domains we purchased. <laughs> <That's right>. And <laughs> so anyways, I go into the, the registrar to see when did they register Cards Against Humanity Family Edition.com. I think that's what it was. They registered it three days after the email I sent them. Uh-uh. No. Yeah. Wow. So I, there's no proof. So you called your attorney. But there's no. some, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> but there's some circumstantial evidence. But I had the I had the permission that I needed. Yes. So, you know, I got to work. Um, I recruited a friend. By the way, let me say this. Um, the friend who helped me get uh, my curriculum company off the ground. Um, he was this guy who's so enthusiastic about every idea I had that where I was in like self-doubt, like, I don't know, can we do that? He's like, oh yeah, we can do it here. Let's try. And he would just like crush at everything I sent his way. And so Wait, I, was he, okay. I'm so sorry. Let's go back. This is, 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 is was he a inventor? Was he an entrepreneur? Like who was this guy? He's just a, a supporter. Friend? 
He's, he's just a, he's a cheerleader. We actually met at the conference that I was at in Oklahoma. So yeah, divine. that I was so consulting for. It was, it was that conference. And so anyways, this guy was just hyped up on whatever I was like. I started the Facebook page and he was like, oh, bro, I love what you're doing. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to invite all the youth pastors I know to this. And I was like, cool. I was like, I'm thinking about doing uh curriculum he's like bro that's the best idea ever these graphics are awesome can i get his number <laughs> let me say he's no. still on our team and he is still that fantastic yeah you everyone needs a hype girl like I, my dad's my hype girl like anytime i have an idea he's like it's incredible and half the time it is yeah but you need someone who's just championing yeah. you he, he doesn't and, and we had no tenure other than he was just like no i think that's cool i'll support it and so every, everything i came to him with he was like oh i love that i can do that and so I was like, hey, bro, I was thinking about making the Christian Cards Against Humanity. He's like, bro, I think that's a great idea. I can help you write that. <laughs> and he was awesome at it. He was awesome at writing with me. And so him and I, we say we went to the dungeon. We went to the proverbial dungeon and just wrote cards on a spreadsheet for months. And so we write, we play test, we're having fun, we're staying up too late. And, um, and, and not to stop you, but it's interesting that you didn't get discouraged when you saw the Cards of Manny come with a family edition. Right. It's interesting that you went, that's okay, I'm going to pivot, but I'm not going to stop. Right. Was there a party that didn't want to do that? Well, or did you kind of I had, like, I, I had already started the forward motion on the cards before I saw what they were doing. And by the time I saw what they were doing, I knew that we were on to something. So it was really, it was not discouraging, but I will say this. We wrote about 70% of the game and then kind of stopped. Yeah. You know how like the first like 70 or 80% of any idea is like, we ordered the equipment, we're doing this, <laughs> we got the logo, we started on the website, started, and then we stopped. You know what I mean? And so I remember going back into the spreadsheet after a few months and looking at the cards and saying, I have to see this through. And I call, I called Andrew and I was like, Andrew, I need you to open up that spreadsheet right now and fall back in love with the game because we got to finish it. And he did. He, he went back to the spreadsheet and he's like, all right, bro, let's go to the dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, and so, you know, a few months later, we're like, okay, let's do a Kickstarter. That's the only way we knew how to get money for it. And so I spoke to the manufacturer. By the way, we used the same manufacturer as Cards Against Humanity and Exploding Kittens and all these other wow. like very quality card how did games. You know that? Um, in my research phase, I, I heard a podcast with the creator yes. that was like launched in 2012. It was like I think it was the first podcast ever. And <laughs> yes. and 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 actually, I went back to their their Kickstarter page where they initially raised fifteen thousand dollars for the Cards Against Humanity game. And they, oh, they did? That's and, how they started it? Yeah, and they mentioned who their manufacturer was. So I reached out to them. It was still their manufacturer. And um, and that's that's how we got connected to legal and stuff like that. And so um, I asked them this. I was so, like, timid. I was like, what's the least, what's, like, the smallest <laughs> amount of numbers of games you guys will print? Can we buy five sets? I was like, <laughs> I'm looking for, like, 100. And they're like, well, 500 is the minimum order value, and that's $12,500. And I was like, oh. Okay, wait, wait. You have to buy 
500 sets of the game for 12,000 plus. Yes. And this is this is the leap. Right. I okay, well, the way my bank account is set up, no. <laughs> uh so I'm going to need some outside funding. <laughs> So, so that's why you did the Kickstarter. So we said, let's do a Kickstarter. And once again, we have no platform to like yeah. th- throw throw stuff at. You know, we're just like really bootstrapping it. So I like the night before, like I designed this Kickstarter page and then I realized it has to get approved. So then like three days later, it gets approved. And my goal is $12,500. And this is what I said. I said, if I can raise 12,500 copies, uh, dollars. That means I pre-sold a hundred copies of the game. And I'll put the other 400 in my closet and give them away as gifts. Wait, did you say that's public? That's what I said to myself. So it's so interesting. Like you are negotiating with yourself. Yeah. Like really. Like I'm hyping game, myself yeah, you up. you are. And you're, <laughs> and you're making plans. It's, it's, I, I'm sure there's all psychology of this as well, but just the idea like you are writing a note in your pocket. Right. You belong in every room. You are thinking if you, this is a God idea, I'm going to do this. Is a, I love, I love the strategy. Like I think somebody of us don't understand that, that right. I'm going to start a spreadsheet. I'm going to ask a friend. We're going to start this. Like so much of it is not the Lord just gave me in a dream. It's like, I have an idea, but then you went to work. Right. It's like, it's what, can what can oh, I do? Oh, guess what? I know you can't produce, manufacture and distribute a game, but what can you do? You can start a spreadsheet. Yeah. Yeah. You can reach out to a, you know, you can listen to a podcast from the creator of the original game. And then you said something, which I think is very, for all creatives, and I'm sure you both agree, but it is the 80% done walk away Mm. and then walk back to it. There is something about the walk away that if you don't want to come back to it or you don't return, it's, it was it. Right. And I'm, and it was fun. The first 80% is fun. But my messages are that way. My books are that way. Even designing, like it's always the walk away 80%. Mm-hmm. And then it's that final push that it's really where the magic happens. That last 20% is the hardest job ever. It is. Putting a bow on something to where you're proud enough to say, this is my final project is not, or product is not for the faint of heart. I agree. You have to have grit. You do. And you need an Andrew. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> Andrew, Andrew. and Andrew, if you're listening, yeah. we love you. <laughs> um, and so we launched the Kickstarter and it's like, you know, I was the first backer and I was like, yeah, I backed. And then it's you like, were. yeah. And so wait, wait, guys, so we sorry. have $35. Okay, I was like, I to, believe in me. But this is, this is what it's like. Like nobody understands this. Like when I had my first subscription for my Truth Academy, I was the first. Like right. people don't understand that you are faking it a little. You're just, you're believing, you're trying, you're doing it. So I love that you just... I'm the first backer. Let's do this. Yeah, I believe in me. (laughs) I believe in me. And to this day, I think you have been the first backer of every campaign we've run. Andrew beat Andrew beat me on the last campaign, (laughs) and so he, so but he deserves a win. So, um, but but this is the part that I don't think people understand is God speaks, and then you have to back it. You have to put your first thirty five dollars down. Like people don't understand that there's a correlation of that, and you probably put thirty five dollars down on a few things that didn't happen, and so you're just. It, it's the favor. I want to say it's the it's the favor takes a minute, right? And so, like, I favor took you doing a, a year of blogs, nobody noticing. You think it's ridiculous. Someone flies you in. They don't even have your credentials. You sit at a table. Favor takes a minute to catch up, right? And then once it hits, everyone goes, "You're a genius," but they don't understand that you were you felt like an idiot for eight months or ten months before you're. In, you know, it's a thing. That is such a good point. 
Right. It does. It does take a while. And I think my self-belief and my self-doubt were at war. Yes. Because I knew how God designed me, but I did not know if I had it in me. Holy you know what I mean? Yes. Can I actually execute on this? And it, and it did. It, it took a little while. And then, you know, and then people start calling you just because you said yes. That's right. You know what I mean? You but just started taking humility, steps. You're saying I took humility. If you think I got this, it's something about the fact that you're, you are putting yourself out there. It takes humility right. to do that rather than I'll just figure this mm -hmm. out. Like you are letting Andrew participate. Like these are, these are humbling things. Mm. This isn't like, I got this. You're like, let's try this. It's beautiful. Well, and in fact, I was a big proponent of hiding behind logos and icons. <laughs> so like, I, I, I don't personally have a huge footprint in terms of my own, you know, call it a brand. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I any, any of the companies that we've created have all been around the company itself rather than than you. Right. And part of that was oh, out of, I, well, I don't know, you know, if someone's going to shoot this thing down, trash my logo. Please don't trash me. That's interesting. And so, you know, and I think the tide is turning to where self-confidence has caught up. Yeah. But the thing is, it's just like, I feel like it's like Moses and Aaron, though. Moses was called, but he's like, I can't do this. I stutter. I've got all these issues. And they're like, all right, Aaron, come on. <laughs> Except in this case, it was Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> you well, know, Andrew was the mouthpiece. I do like, and I think there are those that are listening right now that cannot see themselves being influential because they don't want to be the person. They don't mm. want to be the face. And I honestly think that this is also part of the plan of God sometimes is that we do genius things and right. it's a brand and a logo too. So I, I, I know you look at it as like, I was kind of hiding around it, but also I do think there are those that are listening that need to know that that is enough too. Like God can speak to you and it's not about you being on a platform or right. you being the face of it. It could be a genius because your <clears throat> your method was to invest and pay for the things that are in your heart. It wasn't to be famous, right? Right. It wasn't to be known. And I think I think about Andrew specifically because he's written over a hundred curriculum that's been preached by thousands of youth pastors and you know some tens of thousands of students who have heard his words. Wow. And. He's our lead content writer for yeah. Context. So wait, so Andrew stuck around. Right. Andrew was He's doing here. the cards. He was doing the curriculums. He he is a he's a content guy. Uh, you cannot know his last name. I will not give you his that's Instagram. Right, that's no right. email. Oh, I, I'm prophetic. I'll just ask <laughs> yeah, God. No, What's yeah. his number? No, but but it's. I love what you're saying because you're saying this man, his support and championing has allowed his voice right. to be duplicated. To go so far. Profound. Where we needed each other. And together, we've accomplished so much more than we could apart. And I also want to rope in cutie girl. I, I know. Like, I don't even like, wife. I don't like using the name Ellis, although I love the name Ellis. I call her cutie girl. Um, but, you know, Ellis has had a prolific role in the growth of our company in the last few years. And I do, I want to touch on that. I know we're probably a little no, more stripped good. for time. But no, I want to, because I, I want to know, you do this card thing. Right. You you guys had coffee. You know he's got this million dollar idea. You're in the dungeon working on it. You right. produce it. You get the Kickstarter. Yes. You get this card thing out there. Yes. And then when does your cutie pie enter the room because it is true like talking to both of you i would not have known that she wasn't in the origin because she's a very brilliant and bright it. business right. yeah i mean she's she's a strategist 
So how did that all work? Well, let me let me say this because let me guess. Andrew introduced you. No, (laughs) no, I don't want. Andrew encouraged me. Um, Andrew's a brother. Let me say this. I I don't want to I don't want to overshadow the God moment of the Kickstarter though. And then I do. I want to I want to hop into Ellis's role in this. That first day, you know, I backed the campaign. My mom backed the campaign. Andrew back the camp my sister back the campaign probably ellis back the campaign and then we're sitting there and we're just hitting refresh and then it's like oh yeah like i'm fr- you know that person knows me uh from instagram we're friends on instagram or they youth pastor that church and then it's like wait who's that where did that name come from who are these people mm-hmm. and in that first day we just never slowed down and we ended up raising over $12,500 our first 24 hours what? with no backing. Like we had no influencers out there shouting out our yeah. campaigns or anything like that. That first day we had met our goal. Sovereign, and supernatural, supernatural. Exactly, it was, I mean, it was a divine favor. You know, we could not, I'm gonna be honest, we could not replicate the success of that first campaign now with all of our yes. marketing and yeah, SMS. And we've tried. Yeah, <laughs> we, <laughs> we have tried. Yes. No, I, I get it. And so by the end of that campaign, we had raised nearly $200,000. I'm sorry, what? And I mean, we're talking about it changed everything. So wait, does it not, does it not cap off at at what you're raising they no. just let you raise as much so as you want. So what happens is if you raise less than that goal, everyone who backs gets their money back. Actually, their cards are never charged. So you you basically pledge a yeah. certain amount of money and if the project meets its goal, everyone's card is charged at the end of the campaign. And if the project doesn't meet its goal, no one's card is ever charged. And if they get charged, do they get the product? Yes. That's so how we that's how we structure right? our kids. Right. Although technically it's not legally binding because it's a pledge. Oh. But right. but for the sake of integrity, yeah, yeah. most creators do for yeah. the We treat it as a pre-sale. Yeah. Yeah. So you kickstart, you could raise two hundred thousand. Wait, wait, was that how long did that take to raise that much? Thirty days. I'm sorry, this what? Is, yeah, and this is what's crazy. So in the midst of the campaign, we were like, we should add some expansion packs. So we added three different expansion packs so they could you know, up their pledge and stuff like that. By the end of the campaign, we ordered 12,000 units of the main game and 15,000 expansion packs. We ordered more units of inventory by double than what than the dollars we were just trying Wait, to raise. And this is before it's been in your hands? Before we've even touched it. <laughs> before the the game is being right. finished written. Right. To be and honest, we like, still had to finish the game. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's and we laugh about that with our author coaches. That is the truth. Like I've right. sold more things that are not done yet. Because I know that I have the integrity that I will finish it. Of course. But there is this part that's like that is wild. Well and you're <laughs> selling and you're not even you haven't even getting it to anybody. And here's kind of the beautiful thing about it is for the first couple years, cards Christians like served as the silent investor for the curriculum company. So now the curriculum company could stand on its own two feet and they could be two completely separate things. But for those first few years, years, 
the curriculum company needed yeah. some help, some it backing. backing. And it was just like the Holy Spirit gave this divine idea and said, you know what? I can I can take care of the backing of the, you know, of the curriculum company that's going to reach the next generation with the truth of God's word by creating a game that's going to bring families and communities closer together as an alternative for something that would be, you know, just kind of trashy and awful into something that is, you know, wholesome and hilarious and so it was just it's like just like god it's yes. got his handprints all over it yes and and you gave the name because i don't know if our listeners heard that so it's cards christians like and where did you end up selling that was that on amazon or was it actually on a website so for the first three years we were direct to consumer so we've been selling it all by ourselves we have a third-party logistics company um we it's sold on our website we sold it on our personal website we have hardly invested money in marketing. In fact, we we just started on Amazon maybe a year and a half ago, but it picked up steam maybe eight months ago to where now it's half Amazon, half our storefront. We hired an, like we got poached by an Amazon ad agency and they're like, hey, we can't help but notice you have a ton of organic traffic. Maybe we could, you know, put some, you know, gasoline on it. And their ads have been a tremendous waste of money. Yes. Yes. Because favor is favor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like we, it just needs its itself, you know, and not all products are like that. A lot of things, you know, the ads really move the needle, but for this particular game, it's not like anyone stumbles on it because they're looking for a different Christian game. Right. 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 And I, and I want to go back to what you said, Ellis, because that is very profound. God gives you an idea that funds the heart but it's not the, and people miss this. God can give you a real estate experience. Like I remember God gave us a home that we had to sell a year later. It was our very first home and I was devastated, but that alone actually funded our like video camera to do the next, like it was like, there was a whole puzzle piece to it. And I feel like that's what people miss is they think it's gotta be that idea that's gotta fund it. And it's been a profound, it's been a funder. I mean, and here it is a table with Andrew. Andrew and you are this little Excel sheet and that is the engine behind this curriculum. Wow, what a ride that was. In this first part of our series, we've just started scratching the surface of the mysteries of making business decisions with the guidance of the divine. Stay tuned for part two next week where we'll dive even deeper into this transformative topic. Remember, the journey to integrating spirituality into our work isn't always easy, but it's incredibly rewarding. Until next time, keep seeking, keep listening, and keep trusting in the wisdom of God that surrounds us. If you love this podcast, again, don't forget to subscribe. And don't forget, we love hearing your reviews. So leave us a rating, leave us a review. Havala always reads each and every one of them. We love to hear your feedback and what you want to hear more of, all of those things. So thanks again for listening to Havala's podcast, and we will see you next week.